the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. We pray that through this message, you will learn how to apply God's Word and truth to your life. Stay with us as we discover God's truths that will transform us. Well, we're going to share one message tonight that I'm very excited about as well. And I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the book of Matthew, the book of Matthew. And in just a moment, we'll be in chapters 14 and 15 of Matthew. And I'm going to share with you something that I feel uh, that God placed upon my heart this week as I was doing my own devotional time and reflecting on uh, some things that I felt like God was speaking to my own life and reminding me of. And as I'm right now, as a part of my, my devotional life, I am in the book of Matthew and going through the book of Matthew very slowly and sort of just taking it verse by verse and section by section. And I found myself this week in Matthew, Matthew chapters 14 and 15, and I'm going to share with you in just a moment some stories from the, those two chapters that will teach us the lesson to re- be reminded that Jesus is always more than enough for anything in your life. The lessons are so valuable and so important. But let me ask you the question. Has there ever been a time in your life where you felt like that you were either limited by something or you were lacking something in your life? You felt like that you wanted to get to a certain place, but something was holding you back or you felt like you had some kind of need and that you just didn't have enough of something that you felt like you needed, whether it was finances or maybe it was a friendship that you needed that you didn't really feel like you had any person in your life or maybe it was a sense of fulfillment. It could be a variety of things that we get to places in life where we feel that we are limited and we feel like that we're dealing with and addressing certain lacks in life. And as I was thinking about those two words, limitations and lack, I found myself this week, as I said, in Matthew chapter 14 and 15, and I want to read for you a story or stories that perhaps are very familiar to you. At least one of them I know will be very familiar to you. You may not be as familiar with the second one as with the first one, but the first one is found in Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse number 13. So listen as I set the text tonight uh, for our message together. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. Let's say it together, five and two. Five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. 
Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men beside women and children. We call this the miracle of the feeding of the five. It really is not the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. It's the miracle of the feeding more than 5,000. We don't know how many were there. The Bible says that 5,000 number relates to the men only. So obviously the women and the children would have been there. And that could have have perhaps caused that crowd to be anywhere between uh, 10 and 20,000 people. It was a very large group of people. But we know the miracle. We know it well. The little boy who gave his lunch to Jesus. Now, go with me to Matthew chapter 15 and verse number 29 as we take a look at another story that's very similar to the story we just read. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up to a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the crippled made well, the lame walking and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have, Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. So in the first story, it was five and two. Here is seven and a few. That rhymes. Five and two, seven and a few. Say it with me. Five and two, seven and a few, right? He told the crowd to sit down on the ground, then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Same statement that was made in the earlier miracle. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven baskets full, basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 men, plus besides women and children. So we have the feeding of the 5,000 men plus women and children, and the feeding of the 4,000 men plus women and children. In the first case, it was five and two. In the second case, it was seven and a few. Two very similar stories. Both of them recorded miracles that we find here in the Gospel of Matthew. These are not the same story. This is not the same situation. These are two separate miracles that transpired, two separate events, two separate places, two separate uh, uses of resources. All of these stories are different in terms of the setting of the miracle, but in fact, the process of the miracle was again very similar. The first lesson that I obtained out of these two stories is that Jesus' concern for you far exceeds your concern for yourself or others' concern for you. The key phrase there is far exceeds. I think most of us would think of our own needs and think that we're pretty in tune with our own needs and meeting our own needs, and sometimes we have to rely on other people to meet our needs. But what I want you to understand this weekend is that Jesus cares more about your needs than you care about your own needs. 
And Jesus cares more about your needs than other people will ever care about your needs. And this is part of what the story is here for us. Here's in the first story, Jesus has spent a day with 5,000 plus people. In the second story, he says that he spent three days with, 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 with 4,000 plus people. And so he spent some extended time with these individuals. And in both of these situations, it seems as though very clearly that the resources had run out and everybody was hungry. But it, was, it, it, it wasn't as though the people were coming to Jesus asking for food. Jesus brought up the subject himself. There's nothing in this story that emphasizes anybody coming and saying, hey, Jesus, we've been here a long time. We need some food. Nobody made that request of Jesus. It's not recorded. Jesus took it upon himself to actually, to, to actually move in the direction of taking care of a need that no one had even mentioned. No one had, had, had communicated their concern for food, but Jesus understood it. I want you to note with me this particular verse because I think it summarizes well in chapter 15, verse 32 of this perspective that we see here of Jesus and what I want you to hear this weekend. Jesus called his disciples to himself and notice what he said, I have, what is this word here? Compassion. Dear one, I want you to know tonight, this weekend, that wherever you're, whatever you're going through and wherever you are in life, whatever you're facing in life, even if you have not yet communicated your need, your pain, your concern to Jesus, he already sees what you're going through in your life right now, and he has compassion on you. I have compassion for these people, for they have, all, they have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry, or they may, what? Collapse on the way. I love a Savior like that, don't you? Here's Jesus looking at this group of people, and he's saying, there's something in me. No one's come and ask about their food. They've been with me in the second case for three whole days, and I've been teaching them, and praying for the sick, and now I know they have to be, they have to be hungry, and I'm about to send them away, and I don't want them to collapse. The word in the Greek language for collapse is a very, very powerful and a significant word. It's a word that means to, to obviously grow weary, or to be exhausted, or to faint, or to lose courage, to dissolve, to become despondent, actually, is one of the meanings of the Greek word. I don't want them to get depressed. I don't want them to be despondent. I don't want them to lose their courage on the way home. I don't want all of this that we've imparted to them over these three days to be lost on their journey home. I care about them. I am moved with compassion on their behalf. Now, let me take you to the other side of the story because Jesus had his disciples there with him as well, right? It's clear in both of these stories that not only was Jesus there, but the disciples were there as well. And do you remember what the disciples wanted to do with the people? The disciples wanted to send them away. The disciples said, you know what? They can find, they can fend for themselves. You know, let's not worry about it, Jesus. We don't have enough resources to take care for that, care of them. And so let's send them away. There are many times that you may not be in tune with your own needs and other people may not be in tune with the needs in your life. But Jesus, listen, Jesus is always in tune with every need in your life. 
always in tune with every need in your life. Even when the disciples wanted to send them away, Jesus said, no, we're not doing that. See, Jesus cares more about your needs than even you care about your needs, and he certainly cares more about your needs than the other people around you do. Because people will fail you, Jesus will never fail you. The second principle that I want to share with you this weekend is that limitations and lack prove the power of your faith. Jesus included his disciples in this this miracle because he actually brought them to himself and he, he asked them, in essence, what are we going to use here to feed this crowd? What are we going to do? And He asked them to come up with a solution. He put the problem before them. He said, let's let's see how you're going to respond to the situation. And in essence, what was really happening here was this. Jesus was putting their faith to the test. Jesus had spent a lot of time with them by this point in his ministry, and here he is giving them the opportunity to show that they learned something along the way. You know that when you're walking with Jesus, he's going to give you some opportunities along the way to see what you've learned? He's going to see where you've come in the journey. He's going to take a look and, and, and really analyze, are you making any progress? And so this really was a, a moment to prove the power of faith. He asked them, what are you going to do? Give them something to eat. He put the problem before them. And I believe that part of the reason that Jesus wanted to do that is he wanted to put this issue, he put them face to face with this issue to see if their faith would really, really work, to see how they were going to respond. That being the case, I want to kind of bring this to our understanding today, and that's really how it works when life is really throwing you a challenge. And here are these disciples now learning this lesson. Their faith is being tested. They're face-to-face. They're looking face-to-face with limited lack resources, five loaves, two fish, and a massive need, and Jesus is putting this before them so that they will learn something about faith and learn that faith works every time. Faith doesn't work sometimes. Faith works every time. Say it with me. Faith works every time because God fills the gap by faith. That's how you experience salvation. You and I are sinners. We don't have any, any right to salvation. We're totally, the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we want to get to heaven. And so the only way we can get to heaven is God has to build the bridge. God has to fill the gap, and that gap is filled with Jesus, right? So anything in life where you're looking at limited lacking resources and a massive need that you have, you have to understand that God brought you to that place to help you to understand that he is the one that fills the gap, that he wants to grow and increase and expand your faith. And you can't grow, nor can I grow in life without these moments when we look at our limitations and we look at our lack and we realize, oh, this is what it's all about. What it's all about, it's all about learning something about faith. Maybe that's where you are this weekend. Maybe you're looking at a massive need in your life and limited lacking resources and God saying, I've got you right where I want you. Look closely at the situation because I'm going to fill the gap if you'll use your faith. James 1, chapter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 says it this way. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced 
into the open and shows its true colors. Did you hear that? Let's go back and read it again. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. I think that's kind of where the disciples were. Just put yourself in the disciples' position for a moment, right? And Jesus says, we got a bunch of people here who need some food. What are you going to feed them? I'm giving you the assignment to feed 5,000 men plus women and children. What are you going to do? What are you going to give them? And this was the challenge. They were, they were being tested. And the Bible says that in that testing moment, here's the, here's the opportunity that we have. We know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. If you're facing a situation in life that is impossible, it actually is an opportunity. It's a test that can produce a testimony in your life. It's a test that can produce something that only that moment of faith when God fills the gap for you. Here's our third point tonight. When your faith is challenged, acknowledge your limitations and your lack, but don't stop there. Look for your little. This is important. Anybody still with me this weekend? When your faith is challenged, it's okay to acknowledge your limitations and your lack. You have to be honest, right? We don't have enough food to feed all that many people. In fact, we don't have any, where even if there were some resources available, we don't have the money to buy all the food that would feed all of these people. We are in a situation where there's some limitations and lack. And this is where most people stop. Most people stop right there. They look at the limitations, they look at the lack, and they put a big old stop sign up and say, well, I guess there's no hope for this situation. I guess we can't do anything about it. I guess we'll just have to send the people home anyway. Even though it's a test of my faith, I'm not sure I'm going to have the resources to pass this this test. But Jesus brings them to this focus point and says, he asks them a very important question. He says, what do you have? What do you have available for you? What is around here? Take a look, and instead of thinking about what you don't have, thinking about your limitations, thinking about your lack, find out what you do have. How many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have? What is available in this environment? It may seem like it's a little, but that's okay. Find the little that you do have. Because Jesus can do a lot with a little, amen? But you have to start with your little. And I found in my own life, and as I was thinking about these passages this week, how often we stop and we just focus on the lack and we focus on the limitations and all the things that seem to be the impossibilities before us. And we, 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 don't, we don't take a moment and say, wait a minute, time out. Let me see what is around here. Let me see what I can find that God can work with. What is the little bit that I have? And there in that moment, they found the five loaves and the two fish and the seven loaves and a few fish that were there as well for that situation. And they discovered what they had not been able to discover before or see before. Jesus helped them to see their seed. In every miracle, there's a seed that produces the miracle. I've yet to find any story in the Bible that there's not some little something that someone is asked to do when a miracle transpires. 
Even in the situation that we talked about recently of the, of the man who was paralyzed laying at the pool of Bethesda. And we'll come back to that again in our series uh, uh, starting next weekend. But that man had to pick up his mat and walk. He had to do something. It was a seed he had to bring to the situation. And as I was thinking about this idea of finding your seed for your miracle, finding the little that God wants to use to produce something supernatural, I thought about a couple of stories, one in 1 Kings and the other in 2 Kings, and I'll give you a reference to and very quickly tell you the story. We will not read them tonight, but in 1 Kings chapter 17, there's an incredible story about Elijah the prophet. And Elijah the prophet, as we talk a little bit about him last weekend. He, he is, he's living in a very difficult season. He's having to run from Ahab and Jezebel, and he's having to hide from them, and he was hiding by a brook, and then the brook dried up, and God said, I'm going to send you to a little village, and there's a widow that is going to take care of you in the village, and you can read about this in 1 Kings chapter 17, and so here's Elijah going to a village to try to find some food, and God says, I'm going to take you to a widow. And the widow's going to sustain you while you get through this season in your life. And so he comes and he finds this widow there. And there she is gathering up some sticks. And it seems as though she's going to bake a little bit of a meal. And, and Elijah says, I want you to, to bake me some bread. And I want you to give me some water. I want you to take care of me. And the lady, in essence, says, well, you know, I only have a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And I'm going to use that to bake some bread for me and my son. And that's the last meal that we have. And then we're just going to die. We have no more hope. That's all. We have just a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. Do you know what Elijah said to her next? Elijah said, bake some bread for me first. What? I mean, you're supposed to be loving, kind man of God. Bake some bread for me first. And then he gave her the promise. If you'll do what God says, I promise you that your flour will never run out and your oil will never run out, but you've got to plant some seed. You've got to put some seed in for God to work. There's a gap between what you have and what you need, but now there's a seed. You do have a little bit of something. You have some flour and you have some oil. And I want you to do something that seems impossible with the flour and the oil. Bake me some bread first. And in fact, she'll obeyed the word of the prophet, and she baked the bread, gave some to Elijah, and a miracle happened. God took a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil and multiplied it and took care of that lady for the rest of the days that she needed it. Why? Because she did the right thing with her, with her seed. See, God doesn't leave you with a need without a seed. Are you hearing me this weekend? God doesn't put you in a situation with some need that he doesn't give you some seed to go with it. And a good farmer always appreciates his seed. A good farmer always values his seed because the seed is his future. The seed is his destiny. The seed is what he plants for what is yet to come, what he can't yet see right now, but he plants the seed that will definitely meet the need in the future. Second Kings chapter 4, another story very similar. Now we're in the, into the ministry of the prophet Elisha, and Elisha has another widow that comes to him, and she was one of the widows of the, one of the prophets that had died, and, and he left with a lot of dead, and so she realizes that she's in trouble. She's going to have to sell her son into slavery to pay off all 
of the debt. And so Elijah, Elisha, I should say, ask her a question. What do you have in your house? And she says, I only have a little bit of oil. And he says, here's what I want you to do. Go around and, and, and collect from your neighbors all the jars that they have and get as many jars as you can and take your little bit of oil and start pouring it into the jars. And God says, you're going to have a miracle that will sustain you. But she had to get her oil. She had to get the jars. She had to do some pouring. She had a seed that would meet her need. And God's work always starts with a little bit of something. In the case that we see in the 5,000, it was the little boy that had five loaves and two fish. In the second account, it must have been the disciples that somehow found the seven loaves and a few fish. But there was a seed for the need. I want you to think with me tonight, this weekend in your own life. What do I have? Not what do I not have? What am I lacking? What do I have in my life? That was the story that Jesus, or the question that Jesus asked to the disciples. It's the question that Jesus asked to us as well. Perhaps as you have been listening to today's broadcast, you felt a stirring in your heart, something that reminded you that you need to get something right in your life with God. The first way to start in that journey with God is to open your heart to Jesus Christ, to make Him the Lord of your life, to turn over all your life to Him. And that begins with a very simple prayer. I want to lead you in that prayer right now, and it's a prayer that you can pray right where you are. Say these words, Jesus I invite you into my life today to forgive me of all my sins. I need you. I want you. I want you to take charge of my life. Be my Lord and Savior in Jesus' name. Now, if you just prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says, when we call on God's name, when we call on the name of His Son, Jesus, there is salvation that is brought to our lives. He changes us from the inside out. And the Bible says that if any person is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And that's what's happened to you today as you've opened your heart to Christ. Let me encourage you. You need to take the next step. The next step is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church where you're studying God's Word. And make sure you get a copy of God's Word and begin to read it. Spend some time each day in prayer. You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Practical Living with Dale O'Shield, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer in Maryland. If you would like more information, please visit our website at church-redeemer.org. May God bless you and make you a blessing.